a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Katja Vaktul, Broadsheet's Editorial Director and the host of this guide to Melbourne. Today we are visiting a shiny new Melbourne outpost for one of Victoria's best and longest-running craft beer breweries and a new general store that's already a hit with Northside locals. Coburg's Reynard Street has a special place in the hearts of sisters Angie Marku and Chrissy Swarbrick. It's where they grew up, in a house that first belonged to their grandparents and now their parents. Back in the 90s, Reynard Street was a busy meeting spot filled with vendors. You know, you'd have your fruit and veg shop, milk bar, even a yarn shop. But over the years, most of those closed, with one exception, an old butcher shop. And when the butcher came up for lease, the sisters jumped at the chance to take it over and turn it into a cafe and general store. It's across the road, literally with an eye shot, of the house they grew up in. Sasha Mari from Broadsheet joins us with more of the story. Welcome, Sasha. Hi, gotcha. I love this story. Our readers have as well. It's one of those pieces that's gone kind of nuts yeah. on the site. Angie and Chrissy have called their store True Franks. Why? So the last two butchers that ran the butcher were both called Frank, um, and they want to preserve the history of this shop and the neighbourhood as well as much as they possibly can. So it only seemed fitting that they called it Two Franks. Two Franks. For those who don't know this strip or this part of Melbourne, they haven't spent time in Coburg or just in particular on this stretch of road, can you give us a sense of why the sisters felt a store like this was needed and why they're so passionate, as you said, about basically kind of paying tribute to what was there before? So when they grew up, as you said, Reynard Street was a meeting spot and it was always filled with people going into these different stores. And over the years since they've seen everything being knocked down or turned to private residences, um, it's just gotten a lot quieter and they really wanted to bring that life back. And I think a lot of us have those streets we can remember from childhood like that. They just always had a vision to do that. And so they even said to me if they couldn't bring that vision to life themselves, they couldn't return back to their parents' house. Like it was their one mission. And they're just so happy because now all these locals have come up to them and said, God, it's so good to see people with their coffee cups walking around and their baguettes in their market bag. So, yeah. It's amazing what one little store can do for the spirit and busyness of a local community. So describe the shop for us before we go inside and talk about what they're actually selling, because it does look like the kind of place that feels like it's been taken from history and they haven't touched the exterior very much, as I understand it. No, they haven't. It was, they called it sort of a facelift, their renovation. They did it themselves with one of their husband's uh, it's still very nostalgic. It gives that sort of old milk bar vibe. It so does look like an old milk bar. It, it, it is, yeah. There's even like a checkerboard counter. There's green tiles at the front, which are actually done to reflect the olive tree at their parents' house, which again, you can see from across the road, which is so special. There's a cute little servery window at the front. So there's all these people with dogs out there and ordering their coffee. And then as you walk in, there's shelves at the back with lots of lollies and that, those sort of old things. And then a big take me home fridge at the back where you can get you know, takeaway meals and things like that. Out the front, there's old red signage that belonged to the predecessors, the butcher, and they've kept that as well. They've kept that. They had to. That was essential to preserving it. Um, it's a big Machelaria Italiana sign. Uh, it's the first thing you notice. Like when I walked up the street, it was the very first thing I noticed. It really stands out. So they renovated it themselves. As you mentioned, they've tried to pay tribute not just to the store that was there before, but also other stores that were in the area. So that checkerboard counter... In the story, you write that that was actually inspired by Reynard Street's old milk bar and grocery store. Yeah. 
it's amazing that you can see that olive tree from from the store and they've tried to pay tribute to that. And inside you talked about the fact that there were these successive layers of rendering that were removed. Mm-hmm. So you've got the brick's original light green paint job. Yeah. So you must walk in and feel like this is a place, even though it's new, it kind of must feel old, like it's been there for a while. Yeah. No, it, it does sort of take you back to what the street might have been like in the 90s. Um, there's just so much thought that's going into it. They really care. People are going in still asking where the butcher yeah. is. Is that right? Yeah, people still are. They're never going to remove that sign, though. So that might just have to be one of the trials and tribulations of dealing with leaving it as it is. Yeah, absolutely. But quite a nice thing. People will come in and say, oh, well, there's not a butcher here, but there are other things. You've got coffee, pastries and pantry items. Where have the sisters got these supplies from? What they did when they at first op- when they first decided to open Two Franks is they went through a list of all their favourite suppliers, whether that be in Coburg, Moody Ponds. It was all pretty close. And they just personally reached out to all of these and just asked, do you want to be a stockist? Like at the front, there's all these milk crates on the counter and it's full of a smorgasbord of pastries. Like I swear there's like eight different bakeries involved. And one of the ones I'd never heard of before was Ocab Bakery. It's in Mooney Ponds. It's run by an Iranian and French duo. And this is the only stockist there is. You can only go to the original bakery or two francs. And when I went, I got this big cinnamon twist. Honestly, maybe one of the best baked goods I've ever had. But apparently people are going there for cheesy microsons, which sell out really quickly. There's also Back Alley Bakes. Cobb Lane's on there Cobb Lane, as well. House Delight Collective. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really special part of it. There's condiments and pita bread from the Brotherhood Euros in Seddon. So they, they're they making sure it's not just Coburg. It's kind of they're delving out into other neighbourhoods. Yeah. Um, the Take Me Home sign, which is on that fridge stocked with, I guess, things that you need to put into your fridge. Mm-hmm. Some David's Dairy Milk you've got there. And they've got ready-made meals from Postmistress and Small Axe Deli. So is the idea that you can go in, grab something to take home and cook that night. Yeah, pretty much. Tell me about the dip that their father makes that they stock. Yes, it's a spicy feta cheese dip that they love as a family. The plans for Two Franks is they want to make like a road, they want to serve rotating Greek meals as a tribute to their own heritage. But in the meantime, they, they have to get their dad's iconic dip in. Um, and Angie is also making one of her dips as well. It's takeaway at the moment, but they do eventually want to have people sit in. Yeah. So the next step is to add seating and there'll also be an in-house kitchen so they can have a rotating number of meals going as well. That su- that servery window at the front as well is great for people who just need to stop in quickly and get coffee, a chai, yeah, maybe a hot chocolate. Yeah. It sounds like the perfect place to have in your community. I want one of these basically around the corner from me. So do I. There's nothing like it in the very inner north. So honestly, it's worth going to West Coburg for. I did. I'm gonna, definitely going to go back. Two Franks is at 202 Reynard Street in Coburg. Its hours are Tuesday till Friday, 7am until 2.30pm. And on Saturday, it opens at 8am and closes at 2.30pm. Thanks, Sasha. Bridge Road Brewers opened in Beechworth in 2005 and it quickly earned a loyal following, both with locals and from people who were travelling from Melbourne, for its excellent craft beers matched with a great menu. But owner Ben Krauss had his mind on opening a Melbourne outpost since day one. And after almost two decades, he and his wife and business partner Maria have their wish with a gleaming new brewery and dining hall in Brunswick East. Broadsheets Publications Director Nick Connellan visited the brewery on the weekend and he's here to share the details. Hello, hello. Hello. You've also been to the original, which is great. So we can do the comparison. So what I want to ask first is where does Bridge Road Brewers sit in the Victorian craft beer landscape? Because it seems like they were doing it earlier than most. 2005, it's one of those things that feels like it was yesterday, but it was actually a long time ago. 
Very, very early. So the first craft brewery in Melbourne was Mountain Goat, which was 1997. I know eight years sounds like a long time to open after that, but it was not. That that was kind of right at the beginning before things really accelerated to what we've got today. They started making beer in, I believe it was a garage, like his father's garage or something in Beechworth. So it was the epitome of how you would imagine a craft beer brewer to start. Yeah, and I think a bit of an extra context there. So um, Beechworth's obviously wine country. There's good wine wineries up there in the high country. And that's what Ben trained in originally. And where he met Maria, his wife, I believe, was um, while doing vintage in Europe. Yeah, it but was. He, he she's was Austrian, right? Yeah, she's Austrian. And he he's originally a winemaker. And so I think he brings a bit of that sensibility to beer. I'd read that he had gone to work on wineries in Europe and but in the process of doing that, had started to discover all the incredible beers that the beer landscape over there and came back and was like, well, I can't get something like, you know, the Belgian beers I've been drinking. So that was one of the things that triggered this decision. You've been to the Beechworth original. I think before we talk about Melbourne's, which is seems like a starkly different place aesthetically, could you describe the Beechworth original, which feels like a classic country, red brick building, very rustic? Mm. I think country towns can kind of vary. You know, sometimes they feel a bit run down. Sometimes they feel a bit more vital, just as different parts of Melbourne do. Anyone who's been to Beechworth knows that it is just stunning. Like all the buildings there are these beautiful old kind of gold rush era heritage buildings that are so well maintained. And Bridge Road kind of sits in that. So it's a, it, it, it takes advantage of the spaces that are available in a town like that. Obviously they don't have, you know, gritty warehouses like in Collingwood and stuff. Um, so it is kind of rustic with a a big tin shed and kind of rambling and, you know, all of that. It's not a slick operation. It is it is very much of that place. Obviously, excellent beer and great food have always been a part of the DNA. They have, yeah. And it's it's always been kind of a really full-featured, family-friendly type place where you can come and have, yeah, a pizza and a beer and decent food. And it's not like a, a blokey or kind of exclusive place that you only need to go if you really love drinking beer. It's mm. kind of for everyone and and the town has really embraced it. I think you can't open in a place like that without having the support of the locals. The Melbourne venue couldn't be more different, at least aesthetically. And I wanted to talk numbers to begin with. So they have room for 350 people. There are 30 taps, two bars. What is similar to Beechworth, of course, is this is also a working brewery. So that means that you're going to get not only the Bridge Road favourites, and we'll get to those, but also I'm, I'm sure a lot of on-site specials as well. Did you try any of those when you were there? I did. And it, Ben said to me, it's it was really important to him and Maria that it wasn't just a, an outpost where they were shipping the beers down and going, here you go, try these. They wanted it to actually be a working production brewery to, to have a meaning. And yeah, there's some great stuff there. There were some really good sours. So there was like a lemon sour, which was really nice. And then a, a kind of similar citrusy one that was like a pine lime one that was really good. They had a really interesting Belgian beer or a Belgian beer style called Gruet, which doesn't have any hops in it, which the Germans would revolt against because <laughs> their idea, you know, they've got the German purity law, the Reinheitsgebot, which is, you know, every beer must contain water, yeast and hops, but this one doesn't. Um, so it has a really interesting flavor profile, not bitter, like you would expect from a beer usually. Um, we also had, I also had a hazy IPA, which is kind of the trendy beer of the moment. That was delicious. They kind of always are. Or it's very pillowy, very generous, easy to drink. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. 
The beers are projected behind the bar, which is really interesting and mm. innovative. I've never seen that. Neither. Ben didn't really know if it was going to work. He didn't want to do TV screens and look like a fast food joint. He didn't want to do a letterboard because it's really fiddly to change and get up on a ladder. But this looks great and it works great. And it's all the beers are there um, organized under heading, you know, so you've got sour beers or multi beers or dark beers or clean, easy drinking lagers and stuff. So I had a, I had a bunch of things and they're all delicious. You're also going to be able to get things that they're known for. So some of the classics are the Beechworth Pale and there's a porter that I believe was not going to be able to be taken off the menu. That, One- that porter is like in my top three of all time. Oh, really? Why? So good. It's just such a perfectly balanced beer. And I think Ben, like any beer that he puts his mind to, he just smashes. He's so good. This is obviously a brewery, but it sounds like there's a good selection of wine as well. There's wine on tap. As you mentioned, Ben comes from a wine background, so you can go there and you're not going to be faced just with a beer selection. There's obviously many options. Correct. And he's repping all the best from um, Beechworth, like um, Sentio and Sorenberg and all these local people that he kind of knows from around the place anyway. And it's like, it's good stuff. The wine up there is fantastic. So walk us through the space. Does it look really slick and, and shiny and new from the outside? It's part of a new development. It is part of a new development. And it- and I do want to touch on as well how fantastic that development is. There's a lot of subpar developments <laughs> around that kind of don't feel very considered. This one is such a good mixed use. There's a cinema going in. Rumi, the um, Lebanese restaurant, is relocating there. It's got a supermarket. It's got car parking that's easy to access. There's a tool library that I use to get a lawnmower and stuff because I don't own one. Like it's got a whole bunch of things, so it's not just mm. like a soulless development. Yeah. It has a feeling. And That's it, great because I feel like Brunswick in particular has witnessed a few pretty uninspired developments go up in the last decade. Yeah, it's got Nicholson Street frontage, which is pretty rare for a brewery. Most of the time they tend to be in the back streets because they're big and they need a warehouse and that it's very expensive to get street frontage. Um, so that's really cool. There's all the seats out the front and you can kind of sit there in the sun. And That's so important, I think. I I love breweries that have outdoor seating. That sounds really basic, but so many of these places, you, you have to go inside and you're surrounded by four walls. And yeah, for part of the year in Melbourne, that's great. But when we've had weather like we've been having, you want to go and some, sit somewhere outside, but you want to have the really good quality beers as well. So I think it's awesome that they've got some outdoor seating areas as well. And then the site is kind of a U shape. And so it doesn't feel big and barney. It's got lots of different broken up mm. bits. There's a canteen window that opens out onto Nicholson Street where you can order beers directly from there. So you don't actually have to even go inside oh, to get great. a drink. And then there's a big open kitchen with a pizza oven in it. Who doesn't love walking in and seeing those flames dancing in the oven? These interiors are bright. Mm. Orange, blues, they were designed by Studio Y. So different to the vibe that they've got in Beechworth. And I guess, as you said, well, Beechworth's got its own feel. But this feels very modern and they've really focused on kind of upping the ante in terms of materials and just the way it looks. I think it was important for them that it feels of Melbourne and kind of of the time. What I've been seeing is that breweries are evolving beyond that kind of simple warehouse model. They are getting more into becoming more like restaurants with, you know, interior designers and stuff behind them. And I guess the most notable feature of this design is there is an artist called Drez, who's quite a kind of in-demand street artist. He does these very um, recognisable gradients that are kind of abstract. So, you know, there's no letters or um, characters or animals or anything like that in Mm. his work. It's these very abstract gradients, but he's just so good at them. And that's repeated all throughout the venue. And then also kind of appears behind the bar. There's some subtle lighting that is in kind of a gradient rainbow colour. 
So the Bridge Road Beechworth location always had a reputation for really delicious food and they focused on that here too. Can you tell us about what the chef is focused on in, in cooking? It's it's not just about pub food. It's actually he's thinking differently. Correct. Ben was always very firm that he didn't want this to just be kind of pub food that you can get anywhere else because there's plenty of that in Brunswick. It, there need to be a point of difference, but he also just kind of loves the idea of a place like Three Blue Ducks was kind of one of the influences he said to me, the farm in Byron, where it's this kind of fresh, um, filling, great food, which is not to say that it's necessarily healthy. It's kind of like healthy-ish. So there's, you know, pizzas with nice things on them, but there's also quite substantial salads. So I had a really nice zucchini salad, another one that was smashed cucumbers. You know that Chinese dish, mm. the cold smashed cucumbers? Oh, I love that dish. Oh, and the sesame oil, so good. And so it's not just about like, I have to have a big heavy burger or like fried chicken. There is fried chicken on the menu, but it's like quite lightly fried and it's like a small snacky serve. So it's good. There's a lot of like um, breadth on the menu and I think people find a lot of different things they like to eat and kind of feels like a cliche now, but also like it's got that good sharing element. Um, You know, the salads that come, like they come on a big central plate and so like you probably wouldn't smash a whole cucumber salad to yourself so it's kind of necessary to share with people and kind of have a good time yeah bridge road brunswick is at 137 to 141 nicholson street in brunswick east and it's open monday till sunday 11 a.m until late that's all we've got time for today but we'll be back again on Monday with Looking for Alibrandi and Survivor star Pia Miranda. Ingenue was a very big thing when I started. Mm. People were really obsessed with beautiful, doe-eyed ingenues. It was constantly mentioned in interviews and I just did not feel like I fit that <laughs> role. Like I was a quirky, you know, little Italian girl. If you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends and leave us a review. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening now. Listener.